L-A-S. From One Dad to Another is brought to you by... I'm Jason Alberti. And I'm Lindsay Prince. I am a dad of two boys, a comedy writer, and I love medieval literature. I'm the mom of two girls, a comedy writer, and I love TikTok. Hey, we've got a new podcast. And it's called What Do You Want to Talk About? We talk about everything from almond milk lattes to xenophobia. New episodes every Monday. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What Do You Want to Talk About is produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more information, you can visit laspodcastnetwork.com. Hey, Lindsay, did I tell you the story about Skarpathan Njalsson when he was in Iceland and he was dying because he was under this log on fire and he pulls out this molar and he whips it into Thurl Thurlson's eye? No, I don't understand most of what you just said. Oh. Oh, Jason, did I tell you that Billy Eilish got bangs? What's a Billy Eilash? Oh, hey there. Hey, long time no see. It's been at least a week. <laughs> it has been, I would say, almost exactly one week. Well, since we did this. But I actually saw you yesterday. Th- that's true. I did see you yesterday. Yeah. So, I'm glad you forgot already. I'm so glad the listeners get to hear us start the show like this. Yeah. That's we so always, inviting. Yeah. We should really script this. <laughs> we should never script it. Oh, that's probably that's true. That's the magic of the show. So, hi. Speaking of the show, this is From One Dad to Another, a weekly podcast about us growing as parents through story and jokes and mm-hmm. whatever else we come across on this show. Yep. Um, like of, like uh, things we picked up at an Asian Asian grocery. That happened. That helped us become better parents. Um, it helped. Okay. All joking aside, it legitimately did help me realize that I, I do have a poor relationship with food. And I don't want to pass that along to my stepson and my future child. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. I learned that I don't care for mochi. Yeah, well, you're wrong on that one. I'm sorry. No, I mean, you love it. I, I, could, I could take it or leave it. <laughs> I do love it. It's weird. I love it. Everyone should try it. And everyone should get outside their comfort zone every once in a while. Um, speaking of getting outside your comfort zone... Let me try and steer this show back on track. Oh, we're doing a show. Oh, hey, this is from one dad to another. And uh, it's every week, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And it's part of the LAS Podcast Network. For more on that, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com. Tim, Mm -hmm. you and I are not alone in this recording booth. I know. It's so weird. I mean, we... I mean, it's good weird. But it's but it's weird. I'm not used to it. Usually, it's just the two of us. I know. Um, we had a, a great first guest last week with Matt Russell. Yeah. Um, but this week, as part of the LAS Podcast mm-hmm. Network, it's LAS History Week, presented by the History Center, um, which is super exciting. And that means that on this show, we have a very special guest with us. Very special. It's Tara Templeman from the History Center. Hi, Tara. Hi. How are you? Doing well. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, you, of course, are the curator and collections manager. Correct. For the and History not a Center. dad. And not a dad. You're not a dad. Uh, or She a non- curates and collects stories about dads That's and true. moms That's and children and floods. Though you are not a parent, uh, gestational or otherwise, at this point in your life, um, you have some incredible stories about previous historical 
parents uh, from Lynn County that you could share with us. And perhaps, Tim, you and I and our listeners may learn a little something about parenthood from those in the past. I'm thinking because we were we were talking before the show and there are some stories out there that are apparently really well known in Lynn County. But I don't know anything about Lynn County history, apparently, because I'm like, I don't know that story. So we're going to talk about that as well, because I'm, I'm looking forward to learning. I'm pretty excited to dive into these stories. Before we do, though, Tara, the History Center has been doing some incredible things, especially coming out of the pandemic. And of course, History Center is partnering with us for LAS History Week. Super exciting. Um, But you have some other things going on. Do you want to talk a little bit about what's happening when people listen to this this coming weekend? Yeah. So this 4th of July weekend, we have two events. We have a root beer festival and we also have a speakeasy lawn party. And they're both to help us um, promote and also help people to um, get excited about how they can engage with the history of Prohibition. So we have a new Prohibition exhibit at the museum. Um, And so root beer was manufactured uh, a great deal more during Prohibition when beer was not able to be manufactured or sold. Um, So we are going to celebrate that with a family fun root beer fest on July 3rd, so people can come out and play some lawn games, drink some free root beer, have a good time with their family. And on July 2nd, we will have Elizabeth Von Presley and some other performers, um, some circus performers, and a really good time on that evening if people want to come out and have a speakeasy-type party. Super cool, classic 20s-style speakeasy energy. Yes. Very, very cool. Do you have to like knock on a secret door to get in? Which actually raises the question, where are these events? Are they at the History Center? Yes, they are at the History Center. And in fact, this new exhibit that we have is the largest exhibit we've ever had at the History Center. So all of our indoor space is taken up by the exhibit and our speakeasy party will be on the lawn. That's fantastic. So the History Center is located in what some people remember as the Turner Mortuary. We're at 800 Second Avenue, Southeast. And that also, is that, isn't that where Theater Cedar Rapids was for a little while? Oh, yeah, you're right. For a short time after the flood, I think when, yes. when we did Hair, when we had relocated to TCR Lindale, we had our first read-through in that building. Oh. And we had a couple of rehearsals there for a couple of weeks. So I have been in that building. I said I hadn't been in the History Center, and I felt guilty, but I have been there. It just wasn't that yet. All right, let's have the conversation really quickly, and then we'll finish talking about all the amazing things the History Center is doing. Um, our producer, Alex, is with us out of the producer station. Hi. Um, Hi. Hop on mic for this, Alex. Tim, while you were at the History Center when Theater Sea Rapids was there, yep. did you ever hear a ghost, feel a ghost, feel a presence? Anything like that? I did not, and I don't have any recollection of other people saying that they did. Um, oh, boy. But we were partying a lot. <laughs> Do during, I have a story We for were you? partying a lot during that, during those rehearsals even as well. So we were pretty into ourselves and pretty distracted. <laughs> so, But you have a story, Alex? Real quick, Alex. Tell us a story. All right, so it was a Tuesday. It was raining. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to make this was real quick. Was it like yesterday? It was, it was yesterday. It was Tuesday and <laughs> raining yesterday. That's, that's, I'm just trying to extend this. But uh, no, it, we, we were doing a ghost hunt for a video, and myself and my co-host, Jake Trumper, from my other two shows, we went down to the basement, and in the basement, there's, there's a, a crematory, but it's a small crematory because for for children, and it's very creepy. Yes, so we went down there and we each spent a minute alone next to the crematory with a like a super microphone turned way up asking if if there was anybody there, if anybody could 
say anything if there was there. And I've got the audio here. I'm going to play it into the speakers from my, I'm going to play it into my microphone from my cell phone because I'm classy like that. This is the noise we picked up. Let me know if you hear any words. Oh, wait, I got to turn my, I got to turn yeah, I would my, say, I don't, I'm not I, hearing anything. I should turn my phone up. Okay. You should do that. Now the phone's up. Wait, I, okay, sorry. <laughs> okay. Why? This why, is getting scarier and why scarier. Why is it not working now? Why would it work? Hmm. Do you have do do you have Bluetooth on? Are you are you streaming it to like someone else's Bluetooth speaker? Is I, your phone connected to the board through Bluetooth? Did I just solve wait. it by saying Bluetooth? It is. Whoa! What was that? Okay, I do that one more time. I didn't know my phone was connected to the board through the Bluetooth. The Bluetooth knob was all the way down. So this is not joking. The audio we picked up in the basement of what is currently the History Center. thoughts am i am i crazy alex claims that he does not believe in ghosts right but he 100 percent believes in ghosts. well i think after after that recording it sounds like he does so this is it's just i, I don't want to go down this path but I, then i had an experience here at tcr and there's just all this weird stuff going on now man yeah we can't take too much more time on this but i i feel like it's interesting primarily because it's a really the history center is a fascinating place. The history center as an organization has a really fascinating history, and uh, I really recommend that people go check it out. And while you're there, just maybe take a second and listen. Just That's right. See, see, <laughs> is see there what you feel? is there and Tara? Is there a, like a long history of ghosts in Lynn County? Like, do we have a strong paranormal history here? Or there, are you aware of that? There are a few stories that people tell stuff about Matzel Bridge and a few other places. The building that is now Monica 86 is supposed to be the most haunted building in Cedar Rapids. Oh. Mm. We, we need to have an episode where we go looking for ghosts. I feel a Halloween episode coming on. That sounds great. Perfect. That's awesome. Tara, we're going to call you when that comes around. Sounds great. You're awesome. going to tell us all the places to go. So, um, speaking of things that are coming up sooner than Halloween, you have two fantastic events, uh, the weekend of July 4th, um, that's July 2nd and 3rd. You have the Speakeasy and the Root Beer Festival. Yes. Uh, if people are interested, where can they learn more about that? Uh, do they need tickets? What does that look like? They are both ticketed events. Um, and if you are participating in Freedom Fest and you have your button, you can get a discount on our Root Beer Festival. Um, but you can purchase your tickets at historycenter.org. You can find all of the information about times and exactly what the lineups for those events will be there. Perfect. Um, what kind of root beer are you going to have? Is it going to be like a root beer smorgasbord or is it just like just one? We are partnering with 7G. So ah, so, so you're get, you went right to the beverage distribution masters. So they're going to bring you all the root beers. Absolutely. Fantastic. And uh, if you want to hear more about root beers, um, you can listen <laughs> I to definitely do. a great episode of One Word Stories, um, all coming out this week. So uh, this is LAS History Week, uh, presented by the History Center. And so, Tara, you're on a bunch of episodes of LAS Podcasts this week. Um, Jason Wright from the History Center is also going to be on a couple of episodes. So um, every single LAS podcast has an episode coming out this week that features the History Center in some capacity. So make sure you check it out. They're doing incredible things over there. And so I'm very grateful to, for, to you for coming on the show and chatting with us. Uh, but I'm ready to learn about parenthood from the parents of our past. Can you share with us some stories? I absolutely can. I think 
we'll start with maybe some of the oldest history of Cedar Rapids and maybe not such a good parent to Cedar Rapids. Okay. We like those too. We like to we like to have cautionary tales. That's that's right. We need what not to do. That's right. So Osgood Shepherd often is credited as being the first white settler in Cedar Rapids. Now, I would argue that that's not true, that there was a man named Wilbert Stone who was here first, and he had a log cabin when Osgood Shepherd rode into town and jumped his claim and made him move. And then he built a tavern in about 1837 or 1838, and he tried to take the claim of another man named Robert Ellis, but Robert was out chopping wood at the time. And he told Shepard that he was going to chop his head off if he tried <laughs> to take his land. So Shepard rode away and Ellis got to keep his land. That's what Wilbert Stone should have done. Absolutely. Like right at the very beginning. I feel like this story sounds too familiar, right? The 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 person coming in and, and you said this was a white man coming in. Yes. And it and right. Just, just a white land. man coming in and taking uh. stuff. Uh, there, uh, okay. there are lots and lots of uh, examples of that to to look back on. Right. Um, okay. Interesting. So there's an argument there on whether he was a horse thief or whether he was just friends with a lot of horse thieves who stayed in his tavern. But either way, <laughs> he didn't stick around for long. <laughs> he was maybe not a good dad. He sold the land and he took off. He sold the land, stole a horse, and <laughs> rode off out of town. So... So the the horse thief thing, like, so he he was a claim jumper. He did all that. He just came in and started taking land. Um, was horse thievery like a huge problem back in the mid nineteenth century? It was an early problem that was experienced by a lot of Lynn County residents. Did they call it horse jacking? <laughs> is that is that what it was? <laughs> like, hey man, get off your horse! I'm taking it. And we're like, I don't wanna. And then they just pull you off the horse and then they ride away. But that's the comparison, right? Your horse is your car. Right. Right? Well, more than that. Like, your horse is your car and your tractor and what you need to provide for your family. Tractor jacking. Now that sounds like too much trouble, actually. (laughs) I'm just going to let you dig yourself out of that one. No, I mean, you'd never get away. It's really slow. (laughs) Like, follow that tractor. Like, just you know, walk after it. Right. Eventually he'll get tired. He'll run out of gas. <laughs> so. Okay. So uh, Osgood Shepherd, and you said this is a particularly well-known story. It is. It's the one that comes up on our Wikipedia page about the beginnings of Cedar Rapids. And I think that's kind of sad because he didn't stick around. He didn't start any kind of local business, really. He just stole some horses and then he took <laughs> off. Took the horses and rode out on them. It doesn't actually seem like that good of a story to be honest guy comes in is a jerk opens a bar yeah is a jerk (laughs) again and then leaves and then leaves and everybody's just like he's a founding father he wasn't even probably a father was he or maybe he was and he but he just ran out he was but unfortunately both his father and daughter died while he was living here oh that's sad maybe that's why he left maybe okay so I think we're trying to to frame this show around things that we can learn, ways that we can grow <laughs> as parents. All right, right, fine. I will not steal a horse. No tractor jacking. No tractor jacking. <laughs> you can't put the G at the end of it. It's tractor jacking. Jacking? Jacking, yep. There's a lot of sound clips that we're going to pull out of this episode, I think. Yeah, that's terrifying. So after, after Osgood took off, um, what... 
what happened next? Like, I mean, how did Cedar Rapids just sort of like grow into the thriving metropolis that it is today? Right. Because what I'm hearing, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like Cedar Rapids just grew out of a bar. Right. <laughs> Am I wrong? Well, hmm. no, you're not wrong. That's the first technically business that existed in Cedar Rapids was essentially a bar. It was a tavern where people that could makes stay so and much drink. Sense. I was going to say that feels right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But after that, Osgood sold off the land in the area and people had a vision for what Cedar Rapids could become. So I would say the good founding father of Cedar Rapids might be Judge George Green, um, who came here very early as well. And he had a vision of we need railroads, we need to use the river for power, we need mills. And he really started to build up what Cedar Rapids could be. Did he start a business and then pass it along to a child? <laughs> Did that happen? And I'm just I'm just throwing darts here. That I'm feels just like, like maybe it happened. Right. So the judge comes in, he starts up a bunch of mills and uh, does some economic development. And then, uh, I so appreciate you throwing that segue to me. Yeah. And he's not one of the dads who started. The business, <laughs> oh <so>. man. <laughs> Again, throwing darts, uh, and missing apparently, but I would love to talk about some of those dads. Yeah, please do. Well, uh, really quick before we get too far away. Yeah. So George green, um, we refer to him as a founding father, um, and comes in with a vision. You said railroads. Yes. What else was on his list of accomplishments? Well, he was a lawyer, and he was um, part of the Iowa Supreme Court starting in 1847. Mm. So he was around making the decisions, but he was also the one responsible for compiling all of the court decisions in early Lynn County history. And so he left a record of the things that he did, and he got to Cedar Rapids starting in 1851 and then contributed a lot to all the financial development of the city and um, stuck around <laughs> to see it through. That's good. He didn't just jump on his horse and leave. Yeah, let's not talk about this Osgood guy anymore. I'm not. All right, a fan. We're, no, we're just, we're just, we're, we're canceling Osgood. <laughs> Osgood uh, canceled. There we go. Good. <laughs> Official. Osbad. Hashtag Osgood is canceled. Osbad. <laughs> Osbad. I love that. Um. So uh, here's one thing I want to chat about really quickly, and then and then we'll get to some of these um, father son relationships. Uh, somebody like George Green comes in, has a vision, implements it. Um, I feel I'm feeling um a little a little challenged in my life right now because I'm spending a lot of time building my business um, as a real estate agent um, with a podcast network uh, with some marketing work that we're doing, and that's stuff that I'm very passionate about. And I think um has a really important purpose in our community, can really benefit a lot of organizations and people. Um, our partnership with the History Center is a very exciting first step in that process. And so it's something I really believe in, but I have a family at home and I have a, a wife that's that's having a baby in August, which is part of the reason why we started this show to begin with. Mm -hmm. So, so um, we could talk about that. And I I'm struggling a little bit with the, balancing all of that. And so I think about how people as far back as, you know, 1851 when Judge George Green um comes to Cedar Rapids and implements all of these um great changes and this big vision for this community, things that frankly are much bigger than than what I do in my day-to-day. -day. And how do you go about um balancing 
life like that. I think it's just so interesting. And, and I, I sometimes wonder how people who do incredible things for their community manage to pull off that balance. Mm. Something to think about. They don't sit at home and watch Hulu all day long. I don't know that that was an option for Judge George Green. Back well, you don't know that. You weren't there. You're only you're only 28, Logan. <laughs> that's that's true. You don't know everything. That's true. Um, but I mean, you know, some people are just driven to do that kind of stuff. You know, and and I mean, you're one of those people who has all this drive to do stuff. And I sit at home and watch Hulu. Um, but um, you know, he wasn't alone in that effort. So so Mr. Green came in, worked with a whole bunch of people to kind of uh, get the get the city off the ground and uh, start to harness the river and do all of those things. Yeah, he definitely had partners. I also think in order to set a good example or be a good parent, part of that is spending time on yourself and doing things that fulfill you and making sure that you're taking care of yourself so that you can take care of others. And so if you're getting a lot from the experience of going out in the community and doing all these other things. You bring that home as a fulfilled person, as a happy person, and that probably makes you a good parent. Sure. I think that's great insight. Um, and, and it actually, <laughs> I thought about this as you were speaking, but that really segues well into this idea of legacy, right? And wanting to create something that, that um, certainly you don't exclusively pass on from a father to a son anymore, um, hopefully. Um, but, but creating something that can last and creating something that matters to your community in the long term because you believe in it. And I, I certainly hope that maybe that's something that we're doing right here at this table. Um, does that help segue you into some, some interesting stories about other historical figures in our community? Yeah, so I brought kind of a list of different fathers who have started businesses and handed them off to sons who have then run away with the business and done fantastic things that the father maybe couldn't have anticipated when they planted the seed, um, but the sons were willing to take up their father's effort and run with it. That, I, I, I'm excited to talk about that. I'm glad it segued so well. Now I'm going to cut it off at the knees and tell you we need to take a mid-roll break. <laughs> because our second Good half of the job. show, I think it'll flow really well if we talk about these stories in the back half of the I'm show. I'm excited. And then we can really apply, you know, maybe what we learned, what's one takeaway that we can take into our lives and our roles as parents. And uh, maybe you, dear listener, can think about what you can take away as well. So stick with us. We're here with Tara from the History Center talking about historical figures in our community and what we might learn from them. Um, Make sure you go and support the History Center. Check out their events this coming weekend, uh, July 2nd and 3rd, Speakeasy and the Root Beer Festival, um, which sounds awesome. And uh, I'm excited about that. Yeah. And make sure you stick with us because we got a whole nother second half. I of the really show. like group beer. I know you do. Yeah. I know you do. Big fan. Cool. Stick with us. We'll be back in From a moment. From one dad to another is brought to you by. Hey, I'm Jake Trumper. And I'm Alex Schulte. And together we're historically, historically inaccurate. And you can learn history with us because I'm kind of an expert. I'm not sure if expert's the word I would use. No, I, I'm ready to teach people history because like, uh, ask me to name every president. But I know you can't. No, just ask me. I don't want to hear Washington, you do that again. John Adams, Thomas I, Jefferson, uh, James Madison, James Monroe, John Quincy Adams, Andrew Jackson. So Martin we're a brand new podcast distributed by the LAS Podcast Network in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. New episodes every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you can find your podcasts. 
Jake, are you still going? Jake, just fast, just fast forward to the end. We are literally running out of time. Did you literally forget the president who is right now, Joe Biden? Joe Biden! Ah, I did it. Ah, I was in, I was in my groove. Come and learn with us, everybody. Well, it's still kind of me. I'm, I'm kind of doing. You couldn't even remember Joe Biden's name. I'm doing most of the teaching. It's mostly you. Thank you. L A S. Hey, I'm Logan Adam Schultz, licensed realtor, and this is the Corridor Real Estate Podcast, Eastern Iowa's premier show for all things buying, selling, and investing as it relates to real estate. Every Thursday, we'll be talking with industry professionals, breaking down the data, and giving you the info you need to succeed in Iowa's real estate market. I, along with my trusty producer, Alex, that's me, will be covering everything you need to know so that anyone can become a Corridor Real Estate expert. New episodes of the Corridor Real Estate Podcast are published every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am a licensed realtor in the state of Iowa with Coldwell Banker Hedges Realty, operating out of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more on me and to get in touch, visit lasrealtor.com. The Corridor Real Estate Podcast is produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network, also in Cedar Rapids. For more information, visit laspodcastnetwork.com. Welcome on back to From One Dad to Another. Thanks. I'm, I'm sitting across from you, Tim. I'm I'm sitting across from you, Logan. <gasps> Look at us sitting across from each other. I know. Oh, it's great. But we're not alone. We are not alone, and that makes it even better. We're here with Tara Templeman, uh, the curator and collections manager. From the History Center. I got the title right. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even have to look at the business card. Uh, no, because I wrote it down on this piece of paper. Uh, do we, do people use business cards anymore? Yes. Absolutely, yeah. they do. I, I guess I don't meet enough new people anymore to where I'm like, oh, let me give you my card. So a really popular thing now is to have like virtual business cards. Mm-hmm. Like they're, thing, they're like wristbands where that have like um, QR NFC ship, chips oh, in them. Okay. So you just wave your phone over it. And then it just pops up you on your phone. You get a tattoo of a QR code, and you're just like, here, scan my wrist with your with your phone. I almost guarantee someone's done that. Probably. I yeah. guarantee that's a thing. Yeah, but then it like links you to like the, the menu of Parlor City or something <laughs> like that. You, know? you could change it yeah. over time. You could be whatever's Probably. interesting to you right now. That's That sounds painful. Here's the next episode of Loki. It's going to change on my wrist. the tattoo. <laughs> sure. All right. All right. So we had a you you had a brilliant segue before the break. I but nailed then it. You ripped the rug right out from underneath Tara. I also ruined it. You you messed it all up. So why don't you why don't you throw that back in there? So um, I can't recreate it now. <laughs> it's too hard. Um, but here's what we were talking about. I was thinking about um, how to balance creating a thing and being involved in your community, and also being there for your family and being an engaged parent. And you brought to us to the table today, some stories about historical parents and historical fathers and business owners and entrepreneurs who passed those things along to their children. And I thought that was kind of an interesting thing to, to lead into that idea of legacy. Yeah. I thought we would start with Armstrong's department store, which we are so close to by the way. Oh, isn't that where the food court is? Yeah, like um, two blocks up. Yeah, right? I, I haven't been downtown a whole lot, and I recently found out there's a food court downtown uh, from Logan, actually. Which, um, is Osgood still in there to tie it all together? <laughs> Maybe. 
I there was a restaurant called Osgoods, and it was in there. I don't know if it still is. I have to look it up. Um, but just to tie everything together Weird. on the show, it's probably on purpose. All anyway. right, so Armstrongs. So yeah, are you familiar with any of the history of Armstrongs? If I said Mister Armstrong, would that like not even? I would person? think Stretch Armstrong, but that's just because <laughs> of my age. <laughs> All right. Well, a lot of people knew about Robert Armstrong, who was the son of Samuel Armstrong, and Samuel Armstrong is the one who started the store. He came to Cedar Rapids with basically nothing and started working at a store called SB Dicks, and he earned seven dollars a week. So he actually slept under the counter in the store. So he was like Bob Cratchit. <laughs> In in like the a Christmas Carol? No, I guess he didn't sleep. That was that was something else. He, he would just like have like one piece of coal, right? Underpaid, but right. but very right. kind. Always of cold. Yeah, played by Goofy. I think in, in like an, an animated uh, story. Anyway, sorry, uh, 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 Mr. Armstrong. <laughs> We're, so we're now Disney presents the history of Cedar Rapids. <laughs> Hashtag not a sponsor. <laughs> so Samuel was able to save about $1,200 to start the Armstrong and Fletcher Company, which opened in 1890. And at that time, they said they were here to stay. And if you're familiar with how long Armstrong's was in Cedar Rapids, they closed in about 1990. So they stayed for a hundred years and three generations of the family. That wow. seems to be a pretty successful legacy. I would say so, yes. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> you are <laughs> looking at me this at conversation. <laughs> Agreed. Okay, so you have a, a very successful legacy in terms of your, your business and your brand. Um, how does that tie together with the generations? How does that tie together with the, with the family? Yeah, so I think Samuel was able to take his investment and his really hard work early in his life and send Robert on to have a better life. Robert graduated from Harvard, came back to Cedar Rapids in 1924, and his father allowed him to expand into women's clothing. And Robert just ran with the business from that point on. But he also took from his father the importance of investing in the community. So he was one of the founders of the greater downtown district and getting the downtown groups to all work together so that the businesses could make a successful downtown district. He had one of the first air cooling systems in the city starting in the 1930s. He was involved with getting skywalks and parking ramps so that people could navigate the downtown area. He was very involved with civil rights activism. Uh, making sure that people of color could purchase homes in the area, that they could get the loans that they needed to do that. And what time frame would that have been? Like, what are we, when, are, we are you talking like, like 1950s, 1960s civil rights? Yeah. yeah. So he took over operations around the 1930s and carried that through pretty much until the end of his life. Um, he actually does pass the business on to his daughter at one point. Um, Good but on yeah, him. so during that time people like Dr. Percy Harris are coming to town having a hard time finding a place to live and so he is helping to donate land make sure people have loans make sure people are employed and not employed in back rooms but given appropriate jobs in all parts of the store um so he really takes the success that his father gave him and that he continued to build and invests that back into the community of Cedar Rapids what a great story mm -hmm. yeah and and a, a kind of a long long piece of Cedar Rapids history. So you know, more, as you said about a hundred years from kind of start until Armstrong's closed. Um, well, and it's stories that are still being talked about now. So we're having this conversation, and you said that closed in like 1990. Yes. So we're I mean we're talking about I mean I'm bad at math, but that feels like more than 
30 years. Sure, it is 2021. Yep. So, so apparently I'm not as bad at math as I think I am. <laughs> About 31 years. Yeah. Yeah, nailed it. That's pretty great. Good for you. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of me too. So, Tim, I have a question for you, taking, mm-hmm. that, taking that story in mind. Um, certainly, I think there's something to be said for um, having a, a springboard, a launch pad mm-hmm. in your life, right? Um, being born to a family with with some means, with a platform, um, and being able to, to do more with that, to, to do greater things, bigger things, more impactful things. Um, certainly, I think a lot of the, the things that um, Robert was able to do sounds like they were because he was granted a platform and granted you know, money, the ability to, to have their voice be heard um, in this downtown district, to be putting in ramps, to be donating land, to be doing all these things. Um, but he started from some measure of privilege. Right. Right. And, he, and, he was born on third, didn't hit a triple. Right. 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 So he started, he started ahead of the game already. And so then I wanted to talk to you about that a little bit because I think, you know, one thing I'm trying to figure out is to what degree of success am I able to, to springboard my children with? You know, uh, does that question make sense? No, uh, I, think, I, th- I think it does make sense. And I think... Um, I don't know. So there's this sort of this antiquated, you know, it's Schultz and Sons, Arnold and Sons or whatever. Uh, you know, if you go back through history, there's so many examples of that. And that's because history was written by men about men. Right. So that's 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 really kind of yeah. what that what that is, even down to the idea of founding fathers as opposed to, I don't know, founding citizens or, you know, whatever it is that we refer to it. Um so, you know, so what do we do with that as we're thinking about what can we pass along to our children? And in this day and age, it's not that. It's not that we have to beat out everybody else so that we can own all the things and then pass that along to our children. We have to start thinking about it differently. Or, and that's been true for a really long time. Um, but if we're thinking about what we want to pass along to our children, it's not so much about like passing along land or a business or a thing. At least for me, it's the idea of passing along you know, a passion or um, uh, this, just this idea that they can accomplish things on their own. I certainly don't mind helping my kids out and supporting things, whether that's financially or, or whatever. And as you're thinking about kind of what your legacy could be or what you could pass along to, the, to your kids, um, you know, something to consider is pass along, you know, the skills that they might need you know, to, to, to build a place for themselves or to build a better community, pass along a passion for your community, uh, so that that's what, that's what they take from that as well. So that they want to give back in the same way. So I think that idea of like building an empire that you then turn over to the, the next person is really, really kind of an ancient thing that doesn't really have a a good place in modern society at least from my perspective so sure and and certainly i think that those things are fundamental to the development and raising of of children right um i, I highly doubt that robert does great things for the community just because he has the means to right that right. that idea of doing mm-hmm. good is instilled in him from his family and from the people around him and his community and and all of those influences i again 
we assume, right? Mm-hmm. We have to assume, but that, that's certainly the experience that I've had, right? That I, I choose to surround myself with people that, that inspire me mm-hmm. and that share the same values as me. And those are the same things that I want for my kids as well. Well, and so, you know, here as in everywhere, but here in Lynn County, Cedar Rapids area, I mean, obviously the, our community has become what it is because of not just the sort of the famous people, it's because of other stories that maybe we're less familiar with, um, less tied to men passing along things to their sons. Uh, Tara, do you have any other kind of examples of where, of, you know, of, of stories that are people that maybe have shaped the community that don't fit into that sort of classic mold? I think that's a great question. And that's also something that we struggle with a little bit in museums in general, because the people who bring items to museums are people who feel that their story is important enough for it to be in a museum. Mm. And that historically has been wealthy white men, yeah, especially wealthy white businessmen. So it has been difficult for us to trace down some of those stories because now we're looking a hundred years back and thinking, I wish we would have collected mm. whatever it was. Yeah. So what we've done now is tried to identify who those movers or shakers in the community are who we wouldn't necessarily think fit into that mold. And we do things like an oral histories live event where we invite people to speak about what it is they do or the impact they've had on the community up until now. And we also go around and collect things as they're happening Mm -hmm. so that we have those things a hundred years from now and that people aren't talking about it saying, I wish that we had this. So building a collection kind of for future, maybe stuff that we've, we've missed out on. Yeah, and when you think about the long history of Lynn County going back to like maybe the 1830s through now, and you think about how many people have lived here and how many stories there are to tell, we have 72,000 artifacts in our collection. Wow. That's yes, a huge centers, number. That's, that's no joke. I mean, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, an enormous number. But if you start thinking about the number of people in Lynn County and how mm-hmm. many individual stories there are. Sure. That's nowhere close That's to enough to tell their story. That's not even one for the people who live here now. One for every person that lives here now. Right? Yeah. Uh, so that's a, I guess that is a lot of stories that are not represented uh, there as well. How do you, uh, how do you find uh, items? Like if, if, you're, if you're trying to grow your collection or you're um, looking for artifacts as, you know, as a curator, how do, you, how do you do that? How do you find those things? Yeah, you- it's a mix of different avenues to find those items. So we always accept donations and we do have about one item per day that gets brought into Mm -hmm. the museum by somebody um, who recognizes that something is a part of the history. And that's today I accessioned two photos from a 1929 flood. Hmm. So that's a hundred years ago, right? That somebody brought in, okay, not quite a hundred years ago, but close enough that somebody brought in because they found it in their home and they recognized it as a significant event. But at the same time, I'm trying to collect the things that are happening today. So I'm collecting bottles of hand sanitizer and face masks and (laughs) purchasing the street signs that were damaged in the derecho Mm. and just trying to make sure that any story that someone would want to tell about what's happening today will be represented in 50 years or 100 years. That sounds like a, a really tough task because at what point, you know, do you, because you have to make a determination, like this could be a really great thing that represents today, 50 years from now, or this could be a bag of garbage. 
Right. And so you probably spend a lot of time trying to figure out like what those two things are. Yeah. yeah. There are times when I go into the collection and we have a menu from a restaurant and I'm like, this is incredible. I can tell this story about this restaurant and I can show what people actually ate here or what the food cost. And it's this really cool detail to add to the story that I'm telling. But if I went around right now and collected a menu from every restaurant, <laughs> that would be crazy. I don't know which ones are going to be really cool. I don't know which ones are not going to amount to something 50 years from now. I don't know which restaurant will be here for two years and go away. Yeah. So it's really hard to know what's significant in history as it's happening. I think that's probably true of our childhoods and experiences too. Like you don't know what those significant moments are until years later sometimes. Right, because you start to kind of forget, and some of those things you forget about as you get older, you forget. and then, But then there are those certain memories that just kind of stick with you that at the time you couldn't have really had any idea how impactful or, or how, how much they would uh, influence who you become later on, which I think is actually a really great uh, analog for, you know, kind of how a community grows. What are the things that really um, uh, impact where we develop? Who are the people that impact that? And uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's really, it's, I'm, I'm guessing that you probably um, don't get, uh, you, you spend a lot of time as a, kind of an unsung hero, right? You're going through all this stuff and people don't really realize how important that job may be to kind of the history. Do you feel that way at all? Or do people like cheer for you? Like when you walk down the street, like people are honking their horns and uh, celebrating you everywhere you go. Is that what it is? Well, the Root Beer Festival is just a terror celebration. Right. That's yeah. exactly what it is. So Root Beer is your favorite soft drink and it's all about you. I see how it is. I think most people go into museums because they're fascinated by the history and they're excited about telling other people's stories. So I love it when people just bring in boxes of things and they're like, I don't know what's significant, but I don't want to throw it away until mm -hmm. you tell me. So then we can go through and pick out those items that are significant and we can make those decisions together and I can get the full story from them because the family member is always going to know more than I do. And then I can go back and double check that in our newspaper archives. Mm -hmm. I can do all of the technical work afterwards. But having that experience of getting to tell someone's story, and it's often after the person is gone. Mm -hmm. So the family member is bringing items in and we get to sit together and pick out the significant parts of this person's life that we would use in an exhibit to tell their story. I mean, what job could be better than that? Well, and that's probably actually, a, I would imagine that's a really kind of a special process because for, for you to be able to kind of share in that with people who are exp exploring their own family histories um, in a way that they might not, you know, they might not have, they might see this box of things and think, oh, that's really, really neat. But to actually sit down with a professional and kind of go through that and started connecting some of those dots, that probably is a really uh, a neat experience for those families, for some of those folks, and I would guess for you as well. Absolutely. We also have a collection of oral histories. So every once in a while, I hear from somebody that says, that's my grandma. Can I have a copy of that <laughs> oral history? I'm like, yes, you absolutely can. I'm so glad that we have this and that we're preserving it so that you can have it and your kids can have it and somebody can come in 50 years from now and say, that's my great, great, great grandma. That's can really I watch neat. that video? And we can say yes. That's very, very cool. I think that leads to a, maybe a great final question. And I'm thinking a lot about what my takeaway from this episode is going to be. I'm challenging myself to grow as a parent. Tara, what do you think we, the collective we as parents, can and should be doing to 
um, inform our children about the history center and about local history. And, you know, I, I think about our family, I think about Liam and we love a good museum, but we're not great about going on a regular basis. And we're not great about, um, making sure that Liam recognizes that that's an important thing in his life and in his community. Do you have thoughts on, on what we as parents can do and what our responsibility is to that? Well, I'll say that's normal. There is sort of spikes in a person's life on their museum visitorship. (laughs) So when kids are young, they often are taken to a variety of museums and then maybe they go to the museum a couple of times while they're in school. And then we don't see them when they're high school and college students. But when they have kids, they start coming back to the museum with their children. (laughs) And then when people retire, they spend a lot more time coming into the museums. So as people get older, they dig into these histories and they get excited about that again. And they have the time to go and really explore these spaces. So I think it's important that you take children to museums so that they get familiar with that space and they understand that that's a place to tell history, but also that that's a place that's their community and that is collecting their history or the history of their peers throughout their childhood and that that's a place they can go back to later in life to tell their story or that's a place they can take their grandkid and tell them about what their life was like. So I think just having that experience and understanding that the museum is there and that it's a community asset is the best thing that you can do. And then it's okay if you don't attend really regularly because they know it's a space to come back to. I love that. Yeah. No, that's that as a kid, I was, I was a kid who always loved museums of all types. Uh, just I natural history, science, uh, any kind of his, history museum at all. I, I lived overseas, got to go to a lot of great, uh, really muse- uh, museums growing up. So it was always something that was really kind of like, personally uh, awesome and fulfilling for me. And when I think about my kids and I think about, you know, I take them to museums and I wanted to kind of uh, do that. I don't know if I look back on like taking my kids to the museum, I might think about a couple of moments that were really, really great. But also there's a lot of like, you know, one of the kids just has to go to the bathroom and doesn't really want to go and, and pay attention to all that stuff. So now I'm thinking about, it was funny you mentioned like people in retirement coming back. I think about going with my kids now that they're older and I think that could be a really great experience like for us to go with my adult children for us to go to the history center or go to another museum together when we're both adults and we've had some experiences and we can talk, you know, intelligently about the things that uh that that strike us, you know, that we can see in the museum and uh, so I think maybe that idea of of taking, uh, of doing those things I did with the kids when they were little, but doing them as now that they are adults, I think a museum uh, is a great place to kind of reconnect on a different level that we might not do outside. Yeah, you're that. not the facilitator of their museum experience yeah. anymore. You can go as peers and enjoy it together. Huh. And I promise you, museums will be happy to have you at any stage in your sure. life. Sure, right, yeah. Well, and I have a, I have a, a young, very young granddaughter. And so, and I'm now that we're having these conversations, I'm like, oh my God, I am so excited to take her to, to museums yeah. and not like when she goes on a school trip, like when she can come with Papa and we go to the museum and we, we let her run all over the place and, and see all the things that she's really interested in and let her guide that 
trip. I think I'm I'm super excited about that now. Like I just got goosebumps. And you can teach her that Osgood was a dick. That's and, right. Uh, I'd be like, stay away from that horse. <laughs> That's right. You don't want to be an Oz Osgood. You ever meet an you Osgood? Be an Oz bad. You hide your horses. That's right. <laughs> I don't know. Tim, it sounds like maybe our takeaway from this episode is pretty pretty similar. I- I'm excited to get back to museum yeah. at, from from a new perspective because I because mm-hmm. we we haven't really done that very much and I think that's something I want to prioritize. Yeah. I do like old things. You I mean do. just generally. Uh and like I like antiques. I like you know, I I like museums, I like artifacts, I like all that stuff and I should really kind of lean into that, I think and do my best to share that with the kids as much as possible. Tara, you are an asset to our community. Thank you so much for coming on our show and sharing with us these great stories and insight uh, and representing the History Center. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Really, really appreciate it. It was a pleasure having you. Yeah, of course. Uh, One more time before you take off, can you uh, walk us through what these great events are that you have at the end of the week? Yeah, so... Fourth of July weekend, we've got a speakeasy lawn party on the evening of July 2nd. And then the next day, we have a root beer festival where you can come and play lawn games with the whole family um, and drink some free root beer and just have a good time at the History Center. You can find more information at historycenter.org. Love it. Love it. Um, And of course, you're here as part of the History Center Presents LAS History Week. If you want to check out more, dear listener, you can listen to other LAS podcast episodes this week. The History Center is represented on all of them, um, all leading up to these great events. Tara, thank you again so much for being on the show. This, of course, is From One Dad to Another. This uh, podcast airs every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. It's produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com. And by the way, while you're here, if you like the show, if you want to support it, go over to Patreon.com slash LAS Podcast Network, where you can send us a few dollars, get some bonus stuff from this show and other shows. Um, send us some suggestions yeah. for future episodes, things that you're interested in, comments on this episode, uh, stories that you that you might want to share. I'm happy to read a really long email from a stranger about their history. That sounds super exciting to me. Copy I, me on it. And I will absolutely CC Tara on, <laughs> on that, that, that email. So. Yeah, get in touch. We, uh, we're all about supporting and building communities. So let's make that happen. Um, thanks so much for being on the show with us this week and we will talk to you again next Wednesday. See you next time. Bye.